From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up Presents, the Sunday Sprint Betting Edition and other things uh, for Super Bowl weekend, February uh, 1st. Wow, it's actually February 1st, dude. Uh, 2020, Danny Fleck is with us. Good morning and happy February. Yeah, good morning. You're already flying by. It, it really is. All right, you have told me all week you've been looking for an angle on this game, a side on this game, and you can't find it. So where are we? The eve of the Super Bowl, you know, 20, uh, 30 some odd hours before game time. Where's your head at? Yeah, this is a difficult game to, to handicap. You know, it's uh, one of those games where you can make an argument for each side. You know, there's a reason why the line is what it is. You know, we've seen some dominating performances from both teams throughout the season against some good competition. You have some unique players in this game on both sides of the ball and on both teams. Um, some of the fastest players in the NFL are, are lining up tomorrow as well. So it, it's difficult to just say, you know, I like this team better or, you know, this this matchup is going to go in this direction. I think when looking at this game, like any other game, you know, certain plays are going to dictate, you know, how the game is going to go and, you know, what game plan are we going to see? Are the teams going to stay true to who they've been for the past 18 games or are they going to throw a little wrinkle in there that we haven't seen all year that they've potentially been saving? So, um, you know, I've been trying to look at this game and break it down, at least from my perspective, from, you know, each unit that's on the field and, you know, what could they possibly do to swing the game. So um, we can start on special teams. Um, special teams, I think the advantage has to go to Kansas City. You have a great field goal kicker in Harrison Butker. Um, you know, he has been prone to, to make commit some, some kicks, but he has a, a big leg. I think extends the field for Kansas City a bit, um, allows him to make those, you know, longer field goals and you know, field position as far as, like, touchbacks are concerned, you know, limiting the Kansas City um, kickoff return team. But then on the other side for Kansas City, you know, you have some of the most unique playmakers on the special team side of the ball. You know, Peel Hardman, you know, we've seen what he can do when the ball uh, gets in his hands and in space, you know, blazing speed. He's returned a couple of kickoffs for touchdowns already this year. Um, and he's a potential X factor in this game for me. So, you know, I have to give the special teams advantage to uh, Kansas City here, especially with uh, what we've seen from Robbie Bolt this year. He's been pretty accurate recently, but did have a dip in his uh, accuracy throughout the season. You know, he was injured, but I think that the advantage has to go to Kansas City. I think, you know, being able to throw a guy like Hardman out there or a guy like Tyree Hill, if they're desperate, like on a punt return, you really potentially swing the momentum of this game in terms of field position, you know, those, those kickoffs to start the halves or potentially even, um, you know, punt towards the end of the quarter, you know, and switching whatever momentum might be going one way. I, I think Kansas City has the advantage on special teams. Now, when I look at it from an offensive perspective for both teams, it's hard, you know. It, I think these teams are, are level as far as the type of output we can see on Sunday, they do things differently. Kansas City is going to air it out. They're going to probably be in a 7-30 ratio as far as it's uh, concerned from pass to run. They have matchup nightmares across the board with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, you know, even throwing guys like Hartman again and Demarcus Robinson and Damian Williams. 
they have, I think anybody they put on the field is going to have that opportunity to make a play and be reliable. Um, and then you look at San Francisco, they have three running backs they utilize uh, on a game-to-game basis. George Kittle, Debo Samuel, who's been, I think, an absolute gem of a find for them. This year, I love him coming out of college, and he's been really productive as the season has gone on. So, you know, looking at how these offenses match up just against each other and how they're going to look to control the game, I think you're going to see San Francisco take a page out of uh, the Colts' playbook when they played the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this year and, and kind of what the Titans were trying to do early in an AFC championship game. And that is pound the rock, set up easy and manageable third down, um, allow for play action to be part of their playbook, limit the pass rush on Kansas City, and try to get their wide receivers and tight ends in one-on-one matchups. Um, the slight edge does go to Kansas City on the offensive side of the ball, and that's just because of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent. We've seen what he can do. He's had a hell of a playoff uh, run here, and I just think that he is the X factor on offense. As generic as that sounds, He's just somebody that can make, you know, those throws on third down and long, that can extend the play, that can throw the ball 70 yards in the air and, and hit a guy like Hill in full speed. I just think he presents a challenge for San Francisco that they have not seen yet this year. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, I have to give Kansas City the advantage. Then you look on defense. Um, San Francisco has been impressive all year. Great front four, fast linebackers. Uh, a great corner in Richard Sherman who can eliminate half the field. And, you know, just a, a team that's playing together. They understand the scheme that they're in. They understand their assignments, and, and they get after the quarterback. Kansas City, on the other hand, has sort of had a renaissance on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they, they had a great performance against Tennessee, including Derrick Henry in the rushing game. But I just think that San Francisco's defense, you know, has the advantage in this game. It's just going to be interesting to see how they use their advantages on defense to try to, to control the game. Talking to Danny Flucky here on, <clears throat> excuse me, here on teeing it up. One thing you talked about when it came to game plans, when when we had a chat about this earlier this week, was the New Orleans game. So just refresh everybody's memory. Why is one of these opponents' games against the Saints significant in your mind? Well, I think it's because San Francisco was able to, to keep up with the Saints in that game from an offensive perspective. But I thought that what New Orleans did in that game early was utilize their tight end. You know, Jared Cook had two touchdowns in the first quarter, and they were long touchdown plays. They were you know, at the goal line. Uh, play action, you know, they hit a team route with Cook early in that first quarter, and I think a deep crossing route with him, uh, you know, late in that first quarter. And I think that's what Kansas City needs to look to do. I think the way to open up guys like Tyree Hill and, you know, Sammy Watkins on those underneath stuff is to utilize Kelsey in that 10 to 20 yard range. And I and they have the ability to do so. I, Andy Reid's a great play caller. He's, he's creative with his team design. So I think using Kelsey to open up the game early will allow Kansas City to settle into what they want to do on an offensive perspective and potentially even open up some running lanes for them. I don't anticipate them running a lot. You know, one of the prop bets I looked at was, uh, you know, which team 
past the most rushing yards, and, and the spread between them was 40 yards. So, you know, it shows that the bookmakers and the oddsmakers, whoever, you know, whatever you want to call them, think that Kansas City is going to lean really heavily on the passing game, and, and that just shows you from from the, the totals that are out there, you know, over 310 yards from a home passing, uh, you know, under 50 yards for uh, Amy Williams rushing. But I think they could utilize that 10 to 20 yard range for Travis Kelsey early in that game. You could see a lot of things open up for Kansas City, and that includes the screen game, uh, you know, their, their quick rush game with the wide receivers, you know, on those end arounds and on those quick touch passes in front of the quarterback. So, you know, I, I think Kansas City's game plan and attack, you know, early on will be limiting the pass rush, and the way to do that is to open up uh, throws behind the linebackers and the safety and, and keeping the game in front of San Francisco, allowing them to be a little more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball and making San Francisco be a little more conservative on the defensive side of the ball. One thing that instantly comes up when you look at this game and you go back to the, a, uh, the, the NFC Championship game is Raheem Mostert. It's a name that may have been on some people's radars before that game, definitely on everybody's radar after that game. Tevin Coleman is expected to play, um, even though he dislocated his shoulder, which is what put the ball mostly in Mostert's hands um, during that game. Is this a fluke, or do you think he can have a breakout performance again? I think whatever running back San Francisco is going to ride is going to have a good game. It really just comes down to which one they decide to use. You know, this is not too dissimilar to the old Shanahan teams in Denver, where they would pluck a running back out of nowhere. They have a thousand-yard season, and they were successful. I think in this game, it's really game flow dependent. I think if San Francisco has to keep up with um, Kansas City, you're not going to really be able to establish the run game as much as you did against Green Bay and Minnesota. But I think any of those running backs might be have potential to really break out. Which one it is, I don't know. I think Mozart was obviously... Uh, the beneficiary in the last game, you know, we've seen Kevin Coleman go off in games this year. We've seen Matt Breida go off in games this year. I think they'll ride Mozart until they, they don't need to anymore, or, you know, he's, he's uh, maybe productive, whatever it might be. There's, there's a chance you can see Mozart with, you know, the, the flying share of the load. I just think it's really difficult to predict from a San Francisco side which guys they're going to go with. And I think you're going to see more of Mozart and Frida than, than Coleman tomorrow. When you see a line um, that's one and a half towards Kansas City, and when you see a line as, sorry, and over under that's 54. What does that tell you about what Vegas thinks the uh, the 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 rushing passing ratio is going to be? Because to me, a lot of from a, a betting perspective, what this game will come down to is how much passing is there versus rushing, because that's going to impact the number of possessions each team has. So, what do those two factors tell you, if anything, about what Vegas thinks the game plan will be? I think it tells you that despite. The time of possession numbers that could be predict- predictively, you know, measured in this game is that when Kansas City has the ball, that they are expecting them to score on at least 60% of their possessions. You know, so if they have eight possessions in the game or 10 possessions, whatever it is, 
you know, six of those possessions are resulting in points. Just because of the quick strike ability of their offense, the ability to take out big chunks of, of yards on plays. So I think when you look at this line, it's to say, you know, even if San Francisco has the ball for eight minutes and scores a touchdown, that within the, you know, the next four or five minutes of gameplay, that the expectation is Kansas City is driving down the field and getting some points. Um, both offenses are really, really efficient, and I think it really comes down to, you know, where does the big play come in or where does the turnovers come in and where does the swing possessions come in? And by that I mean, you know, who's getting the ball at the end of the second half? I mean, end of the first half, and who's getting it at the beginning of the first half? I mean, that's really, I think, going to be a, a, an indicator in this game, you know, as to what happens, you know. If a team is trailing, they get the ball at the end of the first half, and they're able to get some points and then ride the momentum into halftime and get the ball to start the second, you know, that, that really gives them the opportunity to have this extra possession that, that really is just um, organically built into the game flow. Um, you know, both teams don't really turn it over, you know, the expectation in this game is that you want your quarterback to be clean and efficient. Uh, you know, which quarterback will will throw that first interception or get strip sacked, you know, depending on, you know, the, the, the rush that's being provided in the game by the defensive front. It's really hard to say one way or the other which way I see that going. You know, I, I think Jimmy G's a little bit more prone to that. But, you know, this game is going to be really, I think, efficiently run on the offensive side of the ball and it's going to come down to a couple of key plays on the defensive side of the ball and who can make that play, which guy is in the right spot at the right time and you know who feels the pressure more. Um, we're, we're talking to Daniel Flecky here previewing Super Bowl 54. Um, one thing that we always talk about is confidence in a big spot and now we look at Jimmy Garoppolo who did not have to do much of anything in the NFC Championship game you would think he's going to have to do something. And that brings you back to the point, Danny, of if Kansas City can get the mojo going early. Because, look, they've gotten off to two consecutive poor starts, and they've been able to recover in, in insane ways in these last two games. You would think that Andy Reid's going to put in a game plan that will hopefully get them off to a better start because I don't think they want to come back from double digits down yet again for a third straight game. So now... If that happens and Jimmy Garoppolo has to make plays uh, early to open this up, um, do you think he can do it in a big spot? This is the biggest moment of his career. While I would argue that Patrick Mahomes has already had to do this twice this year just to keep them in these games. Yeah, and I kind of want to throw the Jimmy G stuff out the window for this game. You know, those two games they played in the playoffs against the Vikings and Packers allowed them to do what they do best, and that is run the ball, and that's really what they want to do. And, you know, we, we saw them rip off chunks of yardage on every single play they were running the ball on. Um, you know, Raheem Mozart had over 200 yards rushing, and if something works, you got to keep going to it. And it really allowed them to kind of put a chokehold on that game as far as you know, what that was concerned, uh, how that game flow went. And on top of that, you're playing two quarterbacks, you know, no offense to Aaron Rodgers this year, but two quarterbacks that just didn't have the weaponry, I think, or the innovative design on offense to really take advantage of maybe some of the weaknesses that San Francisco had. Um, you know, we saw what playmakers did against San Francisco's defense uh, against the Saints. We saw how mobile quarterbacks, you know, in Seattle and in Baltimore uh, put pressure on that San Francisco defense. And neither of those quarterbacks in Minnesota or Green Bay really did that. Um, 
this is a different story. I think Jimmy's going to have to throw the ball at least 25 times in this game to really allow San Francisco to, to dictate how this game's going to go. I, I know they want to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. I think they'll be effective running the ball. But there's going to come a point in time in that game where they're going to have to make big plays through the air, and, and you have to have to hope that if you're a San Francisco fan that Jimmy has schemes uh, designed that will allow them to get Kittle in open space or Emmanuel Sanders in open space and, and allow them to, to add to the playmakers that they have in the backfield. So I, I kind of want to throw those games out the window. They did what they had to do. They weren't, you know, Shanahan wasn't, trying to be pretty or trying to outsmart anybody. He knew that the run game was working, and he went to it. And, you know, if you're Jimmy G and you're only throwing it ten times in the game and you're winning, it doesn't really matter, right? You know, your, your goal is to get to this game, and this is a new game. And, you know, throughout the year he had thrown the ball 30-plus times in a game. So it really just comes down to, you know, when those, those, those throws are happening and how they're being done, you know, what types of plays are they running. So... I'm not really too concerned with what he's going to be able to put out there. It's just that his decision-making has to be spot-on, I think, tomorrow night. And I think Shanahan will, will allow him to be put in a position where he doesn't have to necessarily, you know, throw a ton of deep balls. I think a lot of stuff will be, into, you know, within the 10 to 15-yard range. I'll play action, screen plays, et cetera. So they're going to take advantage of what they have and the matchups they have. But, you know, I do expect Jimmy to throw the ball more than 10 times tomorrow. Um, Tony, Danny Flecky here as we preview Super Bowl 54. Who is the guy, and you've kind of touched on this already, but let's just flesh this out even more. Who's the guy we haven't talked about or won't be talked about if you watch any of these 10,000-hour-long pregame shows that you think can have a big impact on tomorrow night's game? And maybe it's the coin. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, so uh, on Kansas City side, there's two players that stand out to me, and, and you know, besides the obvious, I, I mentioned Nicole Hardman. I think he's a, a game-breaker, whether that's in the kick-return game, uh, screen plays, bubble routes, whatever they run with him. I think you know them getting the ball into his hands and him having the opportunity to to get into open field or you know set up a play that would be like a punt return you know those types of plays for Kansas City are, are going to come up tomorrow and I think they're going to try to utilize him in that and you know on the defensive side of the ball it's Tyron Matthew now he's going to I think be all over the field he's a game changer for them he can blitz he can cover you know he might be on Kittle for some of the game um, so I think those are the two most important players um, for Kansas City tomorrow, besides, again, the obvious players. And then on San Francisco side of the ball, it's a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. You know, we've had some big games for them, but really isn't the number one wide receiver and number one option in that offense. But I think he's going to have some opportunity tomorrow to be in some favorable matchups and potentially have, you know, an impact on the game. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think it's a guy like uh, Fred Warner, their linebacker, you know, what are they going to do with him in, in coverage? Are they going to put him underneath and try to bracket Kelsey on, on those underneath routes or over-the-top routes? Um, you know, what's he like in the screen game? Is he going to be able to get out and, and make plays on the edge? Um, you know, he's, he's made plays all year, and he's been a, a great find for them. Uh, on, you know, in the draft, I think he's a fourth or third-round pick. So I think that those are the two players um, on the San Francisco side that could really make an impact and you know, swing the game. You know, I think they're all those players I mentioned are going to be important in some way, shape, or form tomorrow. 
just because they're, they're non-obvious, but they're players that are really, in, I, I think, important to how they're scheming up plays uh, throughout the game. You know, if you're San Francisco and you get beat by Hartman on a deep route, are you playing softer coverage? Are you opening up the stuff underneath? And, then, you know, vice versa. You know, if you're Kansas City and you're able to get Emmanuel Sanders, you know, on those slam routes, on those deep dig routes, you know, is Kansas City going to be a little more aggressive on defense to try to bring the pressure than you're opening up guys like Kittle and Debo underneath? So it's going to be really interesting to see if those players can make an impact and how that then changes the way play calls are made throughout the game. Danny Flecky here on Teeing It Up. All right, a couple random things. Occasionally we, we have issues with um, weather. Not, not a factor. It's going to pour in Miami today, Saturday, but I think by Sunday, uh, the, I, I would assume this, this, this field's going to be tarped and the weather's supposed to be perfect going forward. Number two, fans. We have seen Super Bowls where... Um, unexpectedly look at Seattle Denver in the Meadowlands where the 12s came in force and suddenly we've got crowd issues um this is not LSU Clemson um and 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 the Super Bowl we don't have that issue um but we have two teams that haven't been to the Super Bowl in a while and what's interesting is it's Miami it's a hot button hospitality ticket um, do you think that crowd noise and or crowd support could be a factor tomorrow? Not really, no. Just because of the situation, you know, I think both teams will probably travel well through the game tomorrow, just given, like you mentioned, that they haven't been in the Super Bowl in a while. But I don't think this is like a situation where you have a team like New England in there, for you know, for instance. Um, I, I think that it's going to be probably evenly split. I think that this is also a game that you get a lot of just neutrals going to. You mentioned Miami being a hot-button uh, type of city where you get uh, an influx of a variety of different people going to the game. You have guys like you know Patrick Mahomes in there that, that really attract like the casual NFL fan. So I just think it's going to be a, a neutral crowd. Obviously, depending on the game, you might see certain, you know, fans get into maybe a little bit more than others, but I don't anticipate it being um, an issue, and I don't really think that that stadium gets too loud anyway. You know, it's not like they're playing in Seattle or Kansas City or, you know, the Superdome where it gets really, really loud. Uh, I think it's just going to be a, a regular game. I don't think crowd noise or, or crowd input, uh, crowd uh, I'm sorry, like the fans really like dictate one way or the other how the game is going to go. Uh, all right, and then finally, is this a game because of the over-under being so realistic, because of the line being so tight that this is a, a, a prop bet Super Bowl from a gambling perspective? Uh, I'm sorry, can you say that again? Uh, b- because the over-under is, is so realistic, because the line is so tight, is this a prop bet Super Bowl versus betting the two main things people bet? No, I, I still think that, you know, in this type of game, you can go, you can diversify what it is you're betting on. There's a lot of, you know, props that are out there a little too much, you know. It's a little bit overwhelming. You know, I was reviewing them earlier this week, and it's just like there's just so much to choose from. You know, which way you're going to go. And, you know, prop bets also dictate are dictated by the game flow. So you want to make sure that, you're probably taking your prop bets based off of who you think is going to win anyway. So, 
I think that there is value in the line. I think this is a game where you just go straight up. You don't even worry about the spread. You just pick a team that's going to win one and a half. It's such a small number that, you know, if you're taking San Francisco at plus one and a half, odds are you think they're going to win. And if you're taking Kansas City at minus one and a half, chances are you think they're going to win by by at least three to four points. So I think this is a game where you can just pound the money line on both sides if you're interested. Um, the over-under is, is also an interesting situation. Uh, I don't know if the over-under is the spot I want to go in. While I do see a higher scoring game, um, these games tend to at times start off slow. And I think just be a little bit more conservative in nature to begin with. And, and you know, a lot of the Super Bowls have been lower scoring affairs. And we've seen some great offenses in those Super Bowls as well. Um, but I think if I'm looking at a side here, I'm just going to take one of the teams just straight up on the money line and, and hope I'm picking right. And that team is, to close out this podcast, have we picked a side, Mr. Flecka? I, I think I'm leaning Kansas City here. I just think Mahomes is... Just too great of a player to to limit myself in not taking him. You know, it's easy to poke holes in Kansas City's defense. Um, it's easy to poke holes in San Francisco with their quarterback. And in this situation, I'm just going to ride the better quarterback. You know, I'm I'm pulling for Andy Reid. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL that hasn't been able to to get that ultimate prize. He's been it's been amazing how he's been able to adjust his playbook, his persona, his coaching style throughout the years, you know, I used to watch him a ton when he was with the Eagles and going against, you know, the Giants, and every single year, every single game, it seems like he's able to adapt on the fly and make adjustments, and we've seen that throughout his tenure in Kansas City and the way he's been able to to utilize the teams that he's had there. I just think Mahomes is such a unique talent that counting him out in a game like this would be foolish. Um, so I'm going to take Kansas City in this game, 30-27. to 27. I'm leading the same way. Um, but we shall see how it goes. And 30-27, to 27, if you bet Kansas City, would get you all the money you've put up um, for tomorrow. Um, Danny? Thank you uh, for joining us as part of the Sunday Sprint all year. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And uh, thank you for joining us to preview Super Bowl 54. No worries, my man. Let's hope for a good one tomorrow. Absolutely. These games, as you said, do tend to start slow because of the commercial structure. Hopefully, they can get into a good rhythm and we can have some fun. And thank you for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling and the Sunday Sprint.